Is there a mushroom that will turn me giant like in Super Mario? Are aliens everywhere, but they're the size of bugs? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This, this Paranormal, Paranormal Life. Life. Yo! Welcome to This Paranormal Life, the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday we investigate a different paranormal tale, case, or claim and get to the bottom of whether it's truly paranormal or not. Tonight is a full moon. We are going beast mode. That's right. Not only in physical strength, but also intelligence, information, evidence. Everything is going to be cranked up to 100%. And also just wolf mode in general. I'm pissing all over my house to mark the territory. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm chewing raw an XLR meat. as we speak. This feed could go down any second. As always, you're joined by myself, Mr. Kicker Mulvena, this guy across from me, Mr. Rory Powers. And we are back with a brand new paranormal tale. And this week's suggestion comes from Mark Elliott. So thank you so much, Mark, for sending that one in to this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. Rory, the year is 1925, and we're in the eastern highlands of Scotland on a dark and miserable night. Whoa. In a small village near the Cairngorm Mountains, one small building is lit up as inside there was a meeting. The 1925 meeting of the Cairngorm Club. I mean, I don't want to set the scene too early for what uh, a club in the middle of the wilderness is doing right. in the 20s. But the last time we looked at a club uh, in Ireland in the wilderness on a dark, stormy night, uh, I'm pretty sure the devil himself showed up showed up and started gambling yeah wasn't he drinking butterball whiskey as well <laughs> or something like that so this is this yeah. is spooky territories here guys so hill walkers hikers locals and mountaineers came from all over and filled the small hall with discussions about club matters upcoming events and stories about fond memories of previous events it's a nice meeting many of the club members knew each other but almost everyone knew one man Professor J. Norman Colley. He was a distinguished member on account of being a professor of organic chemistry at University College London, where he actually headed the whole department. Wow. As well as a fellow of the Royal Society, the Royal Geographical Society, a member of the 1921 Mount Everest Committee, and former president of the Alpine Club. Whoa, you started <laughs> off with a bunch of nerd shit, but am I right in assuming this man is also a jock? <laughs> He's a climber? That's right. He is a uh, neuroscientist, but he's also Mr. Universe wow. and holds the benching <laughs> world record. Uh, what I'm trying to say is he, he f- knew a mountain when he saw one. That's good. This guy uh, practically eats rocks and snow and survival for breakfast. This is the kind of man who doesn't hesitate to drink his own piss if he so much as forgets a bottle of water. But Professor Colley felt a weight on his chest that night. He had something... He desperately wanted to tell everyone. A secret he had kept for over 30 years. When he got the chance to speak and all eyes were on him, he decided, f*** it, YOLO. He downed his scotch and began to tell his story. Thank you, thank you. Some of you might think this is a strange story, and indeed I haven't told anyone this before. I was returning from the cairn on the summit of Ben McDewey in a mist... When I began to think, I heard something else than merely the noise of my own footsteps. Every few steps I took, I heard a crunch, and then another crunch, as if someone was walking after me, but taking steps three or four times the length of my own. 
Oh no. I said to myself, this is all nonsense. Yet I listened and heard it again, but could see nothing in the mist. As I walked on and the eerie crunch, crunch sounded behind me, I was seized with terror and took to my heels, staggering blindly among the boulders for four or five miles, nearly down to Rothimokas Forest. Whatever you make of it, I do not know, but there is something very queer about the top of Ben McDewey, and I will not go back there again myself, I know. When he finished speaking, everyone was quiet and serious. Because if Mr. Goddamn Mount Everest was saying this, yeah, he didn't imagine it. That isn't his style. But not only that, it turned out others had heard terrifyingly similar stories. He wasn't even the first one to have this experience. It turns out that mountaineer and naturalist Alexander Tunian had his own story which he published in the Scots magazine. In October 1943, I spent a 10-day leave climbing alone in the Cairngorms. One afternoon, just as I reached the summit cairn of Ben McDewey, mist swirled across the Larig Gru and enveloped the mountain. The atmosphere became dark and oppressive. A fierce, bitter wind whisked among the boulders, and an odd sound echoed through the mist. A loud footstep, it seemed. Not a crunch. Then another, and another. A strange shape loomed up, receded, then came charging at me. Without hesitation, I whipped out my revolver and fired three times at the figure. When it still came on me, I turned and hared down the path, reaching Glenderry in a time that I have never bettered. He didn't even see what he shot. <laughs> he just shot and ran. He was from the hip. He put one hand over his <laughs> eyes. The other hand just shot into the distance, hit a bird, hit a sheep. That is dangerous. Hit a hiker in the leg. Oh! You may ask, was it really the fear Leavor? Frankly, I think it was. Alexander had gone a step further than Professor Colley and he had given what he experienced that day a name. And fear Leavor. Gaelic for the big grey man. Oh, Jesus, that sounds terrifying. Both men were astonished to find that there were stories all throughout history from people climbing this mountain who encounter something at the summit. All the way back in 1904, over 20 years before Professor Colley came clean, climber Hugh D. Welsh reported feeling, quote, an eerie feeling of apprehension near the summit of Ben McDewey. It's not quite the same thing. And heard... Uh-oh! Get your gun, brother! Unexplained... He's coming! Slurring footsteps like he was being followed. Jesus. Again in 1945, mountaineer and mountain rescue worker Peter Densham, again, someone who knows a mountain when he sees one, yeah. was, quote, overcome by a feeling of apprehension and heard crunching noises. The like, crunching is a red flag like for me. Like footsteps yeah. behind him. Absolutely it is. I like, like the way you keep bringing up the fact that these men know a mountain as if there was a chance this was a mountain. I think if it's if it's run, running behind them, it's probably not a rock. I'd like to think they know other things than just a mountain when <laughs> they see one. This is like <laughs> the end of Detective Pikachu movie where the mountain <laughs> that they've been hiking on for hours turns out to be a Pokemon, yeah. a mountain type Pokemon. Hopefully these men are just like, like if you showed them a puppy, they don't just sit there and they're like, 
It's definitely not a mountain, <laughs> but I can't say any more than that. It's roughly rock-sized, <laughs> but it doesn't appear to be made of rock. If you rock. look close, it's barking. Right. And it just peed everywhere, so it's not a mountain, I'm pretty sure. Uh, this is terrifying. I don't like I don't like things with long limbs. It freaks me out. Really? It makes me uncomfortable. What? I really don't so we're like talking it. daddy long legs. Yeah, well, that's, thinking, that's the arch enemy of Rory. <laughs> I was thinking more like Slenderman. No, 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 no. Daddy nah. long legs. Giraffes. Well, yeah. Hold on, don't even say the name out loud. You might summon one. Uh, freaking. There's not really that many flamingos. Yeah, I think if it's something that has long limbs, but I think I could beat it up. That doesn't scare me that much. You don't think you could take Slenderman? No, not the way. I wouldn't even be able to reach him before I get knocked out by one of his tentpole arms. Yeah, he's got the reach advantage, that's for <laughs> sure, yeah. He could be in a different f- forest, and he could just <laughs> blindside you with an uppercut. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. There's something creepy about that. What he said, it was taking paces like five times bigger than him. Terrifying. Really don't like that. Makes me that's uncomfortable. That's bad. That's bad. It's like we're built to like be scared of stuff that's like that much bigger than us yeah like i I think feel like i really get freaked out by like whenever you see those videos of like divers swimming with whales or and they're like it was so amazing we were just up so close and i could really feel a connection with the animal i'm like he could eat you you could you could swim into that whale's nostril yeah you're a little bug to him yeah you are a piece of dust it's yeah it's it's disturbing frankly Luckily, that doesn't happen too much. In day-to-day life? Yeah, in day-to-day life, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, like, commute in the morning next to, like, a silverback gorilla. (laughs) That would be pretty terrifying. You're like, I know that he's pretty civilized because he's on the tube, but I also feel like he might just snap at any point (laughs) and go ape, go absolutely primal on the central line. So, listen, I'm I'm fine that he lives in London, but does he have to drive the bus? It seems like he doesn't have the temperament for that kind of thing. Should he be drinking that coffee? I really don't know if he should be drinking that coffee. That's really going to agitate him. Are monkeys like dogs? Is this bad for him? Is he going to go primal? I just saw him eat a dairy milk. And I know that's not good for dogs. It's probably not going to be good for the monkey. You're talking to a policeman who's also a monkey. (laughs) He's beating the shit out of me. You're going to take his side? Really? Of course. This is unbelievable. It's a city man. It's going to the dogs. There's a dog mayor. <laughs> and only three years later after Peter Dinsham in 1948, climber Richard Freer, who, by the way, knew a mountain when he saw one, uh, wrote about experiencing a, quote, presence on the mountain, utterly abstract but intensely real. Followed by an intensely high singing sound. Ooh. That's kind of new. Like a siren's call. And back even further, this one kind of blew my mind, in 1791. So like 200 plus years ago. Wow. Jesus. Poet James Hogg was tending sheep near the mountain and wrote that he saw a, quote, giant black figure at least 30 feet high and equally proportioned, and very near me. 30 feet high? I was struck powerless with astonishment and terror. My god. So, I mean, this is kind of wild. I also like equally proportioned, as if it had also like a five foot long hog. Right, uh, right, yeah. (laughs) Seen by James Hogg. 
I guess, yeah, because if it's just a tall human, that weirdly doesn't scare me so much. Right. But if it's like a normal-sized, like, human torso, but then crazy long arms and legs... <laughs> That's your nightmare. Like those waving tube men they have at car lots. If one of those came at me in the night, I would... Yeah freak out yeah that's when you get the katana yeah you got to take that thing down i didn't really think about this earlier but it's kind of crazy we've had this in previous stories where whenever you go back through time and there's a sighting that's also creepy because that means this daddy long legs looking mother is over 200 years old yeah his heart is long as well and his life too apparently and i have said it before in this podcast but professor collie must have been relieved when a couple whiskeys deep at this party he reveals his deepest darkest secret and everyone's like so you've seen it too wild that no one felt the need to bring this up <laughs> no one everyone was keeping this story to themselves that's so bizarre isn't it if they just had this conversation like because it seems like he's, he's been burdened with this for quite a long time it's like i finally need to get it off this chest uh, a couple weeks back, I saw the big, t- the big gray guy up the hill. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! What? <laughs> right? The crunchy crunch crunch. The crunch crunch. The footsteps. Did the... he have any bullet holes, by the way? Because when I saw him, I unloaded into the <laughs> darkness. So if we treat this big gray man like some kind of Cluedo image, if we piece together each story, it's pretty clear everyone's talking about the same terrifying thing. Everyone reports feeling a sense of dread and doom as if they're being watched. They hear huge crunching footsteps in the stones as if they're being followed by something massive. There's an eerie high-pitched sound in the mist before it starts chasing you. Professor Colley says he ran four or five miles to escape this thing. I do feel like he could have stopped after one or two miles, but he kept going. Yeah, yeah. He actually passed the nearest town, went right through it. Yeah, they were like... Ah, Professor Colley, how's it going? No time to stop a channel, this is crazy. <laughs> what? Also, if the one thing you can tell by the footsteps is that it has enormous legs. You, you... better stand and fight because he's going to catch <laughs> he's you. He's going to get you. He probably has proportionately large arms yeah. to scoop you up like a globetrotter yeah. and dunk you into the nearest boulder. You've got to be glad there's no volcanoes in Scotland because... <laughs> He dunk you in the in the lava. Yeah, that's bold. I guess. Look, if you're up in a mountain, there's no one else around you. You feel like you're being followed. You panic. You run. That's fair enough. I get that. I totally get that. This, these are olden days as well. There was no like GPS. There were no flares you could blast up into the sky. Mountain rescue was a bear, <laughs> and he doesn't care whether you live or die. They sent a feral bear. <laughs> if the bear came back with your skull in his mouth. They knew that at least he found you. (laughs) They could at least pretend that you were dead when the bear found you. (laughs) Yeah, Mountain Rescue found him and he didn't want to come home. (laughs) He was happy in the mountain. Some people describe seeing a massive outline of a man up to 30 feet tall. Some have said it has a head like an ape or some kind of animal. And lastly, it's got a bulletproof vest because Alexander fired his revolver three times into the mist, but it kept coming. Right. Tough skin like that of a mountain, but not a mountain. Mm. These men know mountains when they see one. I don't really know why he had a revolver in the first place. It's oldie days, isn't it? That's pretty much fine. It's probably weird not to have one. On a mountain on your own? Yeah. Yeah, I know... Maybe it's more of like a wilderness thing. Like if, if yeah. there's any like wild animals up there. I guess that's true. Rather than like, 
you picked the wrong mountain to climb up, stranger. You know, there wasn't a lot of that going on yeah. uh, in these mountains. So I guess it's kind of normal. Wouldn't you say it was 1925? This spans from the first sighting was, well, ignoring 1791. The first of, sighting of course, was 1904 yeah. uh, right through to 1948. Wow. So a big span of the same stories. I know a number of times on this podcast we've had to go on the website guntimeline.com mm. uh, to find out when guns were either invented or popularized. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember that date at all. Yeah, we, presumably re- we refuse the, to remember that. Yeah. Uh, presumably the poet had, well, nothing if it's a poet. I, I would assume he is subscribed to a life of pacifism and love. So maybe a little sword. <laughs> he had a rocket launcher. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's insane. 1791, first one. It's crazy. That's the most annoying bit whenever you whenever you do search stuff like, oh, when was the gun invented? You know, it's never like, oh, yeah, the first revolver was sold in like 1912. It's always like, actually, in ancient China, they first invented gunpowder. So technically, what could be referred to as a gun yeah, was used yeah. in battle. God damn it, yeah. We would listen, we want to know when the first AK-47 was used. Actually, Tutankhamun himself fired <laughs> the first AK using space dust and meteorite fragments. That's great. I'm going to stop going to guntimeline.com <laughs> because you're a bunch of nerds. So, Rory, what do you think we're looking at here? I, I personally feel like there are three possibilities. This could be a straight-up giant. Okay, yeah. A 30-foot-tall human which is basically a cryptid. I feel like that kind of is umbrellaed by the first one, but sure. It could be... Don't say is, a large... It is actually. <laughs> and thirdly, it could be a giant boy. <laughs> okay, so all giant, pretty much. Every single one. <laughs> no. So it could be a giant human, okay. or it could be some kind of mega Bigfoot. We're talking a Scottish version of Sasquatch, potentially with paranormal abilities yeah. added on. Uh, finally, it could be a kind of cryptid ghost being. Uh, it appears to kind of appear out of nowhere, manifest out of the mist, and makes these mountaineers feel a weird sense of dread, like they can feel it's there. Do any of these make sense to you? Yeah, some of them kind of click more than others do. I know someone said that, uh, he was seen to have sort of like an ape-like monkey face. Mm. Um, but when we think of like Sasquatch, Bigfoot himself, we don't think of like mist and like eerie vibes yeah. when, when he's around, you know? He kind of just, he's borderline uh, just a simple cryptid. Just an animal. Yeah. I and mean, there's some people that's like, he's also paranormal. He's a ghost. He's a trans-dimensional being. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It's This sounds like... Yeah, more in terms of like some sort of weird paranormal giant, the likes of which I've I've never really heard of in my investigations. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty original that way. Yeah, I definitely sense that out of all of these options, it doesn't seem to be as clear cut, I feel, as just an animal. Yeah. It seems to be that this thing is like, it's the, it's the instilling dread and the weird noises it makes and everything supernatural about it. We once did a bonus episode, which might have been our most ridiculous bonus episode yet, which was a story basically claiming that uh, the U.S. Army killed, shot and killed a biblical giant in Afghanistan. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I think, uh, a low point for everyone <laughs> in this paranormal life history. 
<laughs> we took a week out after that. We thought about what we had done. We were scraping the bottom of the barrel, all right. But I think that's maybe one of the only times, aside from obviously investigating Slenderman, where we've come across something this kind of gangly and large. Yeah. But where the giant was a muscly ass caveman, basically, uh, this seems to be quite a agile, slender, Usain Bolt style <laughs> sprint runner. Well, I don't think he actually kept up with Collie. Right. Uh, Collie just ran for five miles. But uh, Look, you can have the longest legs in the world. If your cardio is bad, you're, you're not going to get far. So in this story, we have a ton of eyewitness testimony. And frankly, all four pillars of the Golden Pyramid of Truth, which are, I think, rumor, hearsay, and gut feeling. But what about physical evidence? Surely, if all of these guys are so convinced there's a giant on this mountain, one of them would have got a photo. We need to go to cameratimeline.com <laughs> to find out if that was a possibility. <laughs> Unfortunately, the camera timeline is always against us. I would, I always feel like I'm like, yeah, I bet there was no cameras. That's why there's no evidence. And we look it up and it's like, there was cameras. There was lots of cameras. Right. I'm going to keep it real with you. There's zero photos. Okay. Almost zero evidence altogether. Yeah. However, I will do you one better. In 1956, James A. Rand we found a size 16 sneaker up in the hills. <laughs> a limited edition Jordan in the in the plastic wrap, mint condition. <laughs> size of a bathtub. <laughs> 16 isn't like it's like that doesn't make big, you yeah. 30 foot tall <laughs> in 1956 james a rennie was hiking through the cairngorms only a few kilometers from the mountain at the center of our story when he saw something in the snow that made him stop in his tracks it was a strange shape that made him look closer until it immediately clicked what he was looking at these were footprints made by some kind of animal except they were massive. These prints were running across a stretch of snow-covered moorland, each print 19 inches long by about 14 inches wide, and there must have been all seven feet between each stride. Jesus. There was no differentiation between a left and right foot, and they proceeded in an approximately single line. What do you mean there's no di like an elephant's foot? Rennie knew enough about the local legend to know he was looking at something insane. He was looking at physical proof of basically an Ent from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But this is big because this is our first thing close to proof of an actual giant. Wow, yeah. So Rory, should I just, should I just wrap up this story in a nice little bow and just call it a double yes right now? It's pretty weird to find uh, footprints in the snow and for them to have so few characteristics that they're identical footprints. Because I was maybe thinking like, okay, maybe if uh, there's like claws at the end of these footprints, okay. we can maybe get a little bit of a feeling of what this thing looks like. Um, uh, you know, you can tell a lot about the species by the amount of digits, the amount of like little toes that it has. We're not getting anything here. We're chasing after a giant Minecraft character. <laughs> these are block prints. It is low res. <laughs> yeah. These are just block prints in the snow. This is so bizarre. It's true. Very weird. And for that reason, just throwing it out there. I mean, if you want to just wrap up the story right now, because I think we got all the evidence we need. Well, I think right. there's maybe like a little piece of the puzzle that probably could still be examined. Because 
I am about to get into some pretty damning evidence actually pretty soon. But between you and me, I would be happy to ignore because, you know, it's always nice to like we could guarantee the listeners a double yes right here and now. Right. If we just uh, didn't mention because, you know, I feel like that would they would really like that. You well, they I mean? would like the double yes, yeah, yeah but I don't would think... would love it. It would, like, it would just keep them going. It's like a hard time. Everyone out there is having a hard time. And but I mean, like, just as might, because paranormal investigators, we have a certain Like, the, the stuff that's coming up will we'll ruin the story. <laughs> it's a mountain. <laughs> it turned out to be a mountain. The they whole... didn't know the mountain when they saw it. <laughs> they were drunk off their asses. They didn't get off base camp. The footprints, lakes. They were big lakes in the mountain. They... <laughs> They talked a big game at the pub before they went hiking, got too drunk, slept at the base of the mountain, freaked themselves out, went straight back to the pub claiming they'd seen a giant. Yeah, and the bartenders, I'd be like, wow, you guys were fast. You go up there, <laughs> giants up the mountain, dude, we couldn't even get two feet in. <laughs> and it wasn't a mountain, because we know mountains when we see one as mountain men. All the tags are still on their hiking equipment. <laughs> Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, fine. So, Rennie was pretty excited when he discovered the giant footprints in the snow. So we went back a few days later to try and find some more, and presumably capture some physical evidence of them this time. Right. Only, the opposite happened. He did find more footprints, but they were being made by rain. What? It was raining, and Rennie was able to watch right in front of his eyes... Uh, these footprints, quote unquote, form in the snow as like a pattern of the rainfall. Oh, how bad is he at this? Then he thought rain was <laughs> the footprints of a giant. <laughs> he said, right there, I realized that the legend of Bigfoot, the gray man, Sasquatch and the abominable snowman we're all bullshit. Well, let's not all just lump all those into one big category. Just because you thought the rain was footprints? <laughs> yeah. That's just, if anything, it says more about your judgment <laughs> than anyone else's. At that point, I realized God isn't real. None of it. Heaven, hell, love. <laughs> so, sure, there's no photos. There's no footprints. There is arguably no physical evidence yeah. granted. Most of the people who heard the crunching didn't even turn around. <laughs> they were so afraid. They bolted. And I should probably mention that one researcher figured out a possibility for the sightings of giants on this mountain. They discovered that the mist at the summit creates a weird optical illusion where your own shadow kind of looks like a giant. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, so like the, I guess like the sun maybe passing through the mist casts a shadow. I'm trying to throw you a bone. Here. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you. A, I'll show you a picture. Okay. Of what we're describing. And you can decide whether if you were on the mountain that day and if it had taken a few hours to hike up there, maybe you forgot your water. Of course. You've run out of piss at this point to drink. Yeah. Uh, I forgot my water for Christ's sake. You're exhausted. Can't make any piss. You tell me if this would fool you, this image. All right. <laughs> okay, so kids, kids showing me basically uh, the effect that I had kind of pictured in my head um, where, you know, it's a misty... Misty evening up the mountains. The sun is obviously blasting through this mist from behind the person heading towards the mist, which means their shadow was kind of elongated and uh, blown up very disproportionately. Would you say 30 feet, 30 uh, feet high? Borderline 40. Uh, that's pretty big and bold. And yeah, I guess, you know, if, if it was a spooky morning, uh, late at night, early in the morning, and you kind of saw this thing that if you think is matching all of your footsteps it's yeah, almost as if it were my own footsteps yeah this is a very uh, very plausible explanation for for what this creature could be i would say so this is just like a someone just took this photo as like an artist's interpretation we don't know if this is exactly the kind of thing they were seeing but it is pretty f***ed up that we can even we can see this is a little bit deceiving it doesn't quite explain, you know, the sounds of singing, a monkey face, uh, <laughs> but, but all of those things could very much be a product of the hysteria brought on by a group of people all believing they saw a giant. It is true. It is true. So in a way, a lot of this case hinges on the testimony of Professor Colley. After all, he is the most respected witness in the whole story. But it should be pointed out that apparently he believed in pretty much everything paranormal. Like, it's if, a bad professor. If he was a host on this podcast, it would be a yes every week, uh, which is insane for the head professor of chemistry at University College London. In 1933, when Loch Ness Monster was first reported in the press, he was a huge believer on for the first no day. Reason. Yeah. He's not invested. He doesn't have a horse in that yeah. race. And his friends said that anytime they went camping, he would tell endless stories about mountain gods and legendary creatures. All right. So I dare say the legend of the giant is unraveling before our very eyes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wish that I had a chemistry teacher that didn't believe in science. <laughs> That is such a funny premise. I probably would have kept studying show. science. He's like pouring chemicals into tubes being like, we'll never know what makes them bubble and boil. Eye <laughs> like, of newt. <laughs> Toenails of dog. It's like, sir, those are just regular chemicals. That's so weird. I guess pretty much chemistry is the closest thing to having a cauldron uh, that you can <laughs> pretty much and being a witch. That's true. And also, if he was faking all these mountaineering credentials, maybe he was faking being a chemist as well. That actually makes a lot of sense. Really, the only other missing piece to this puzzle is the idea that some have put forward that some of these effects that people are experiencing, seeing the giants, hearing stuff, um, experiencing this horrible sense of dread, that this is maybe simply the exhaustion of climbing a mountain. Yeah, 
I don't know a lot about this mountain in particular. Yeah. Uh, is it a particularly large one? I think they said it's the second highest in Scotland. Don't quote me on that, but I, I read that. That's going to be pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I know there's a lot of tall mountains in Wales and Scotland. Um, so, damn, yeah, we could be talking about a real big hike here. We, let's, let's just find out. Why beat around the bush, huh? Yeah, let's 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 do it. Hey, Siri, how high is Ben McDewey? Ben McDewey's 4,295 feet above sea level. That doesn't do much for me. Yes, how long second we're... highest mountain in Scotland after Ben Nevis. Of course, so, yeah. 1,300 meters. I mean, that sounds pretty high for the UK. I don't want to climb 4,000 feet. No. You could be pretty tired. There's yeah. only so much piss a man can drink. <laughs> Truly. I mean, if if all it takes is six hours of hiking for you to be delirious <laughs> <laughs> to the point where you think that mountain giants Giants exist, are real. <laughs> you should be hiking the mountain. You're shooting the mist <laughs> with the revolver. They don't really do a lot of those health and safety checks, you know, because it's like, no. it's the wild, it's mother nature. Yeah. You can, anyone can do it. It's not like a roller coaster where it's like, you have to be like this tall to get on <laughs> this the saying to get on the, <laughs> yeah, you can't have just like a little, uh, turn style at the front just being like, are you or ever have you thought giants are real? <laughs> And do you have a firearm? Because there's plenty of rocks up there that look like giants. So you don't need to get too itchy with that trigger finger. And every man that comes through here says they know a mountain when they see one. <laughs> but when the mist starts rolling and the piss is starting drunken, he's getting woozy just explaining it to you. <laughs> hey, man, you got any piss you can give me? <laughs> Why don't you guys carry bottles? <laughs> I love it. This mountain is basically like a haunted house. <laughs> All f fake. <laughs> but Rory, at the end of the day, we have to decide whether our our given story is truly paranormal or not. And what are you saying to the giant gray man of Ben McDewey? I love it. It's scary, but it's not real. It's going to be a no from me this week, unfortunately, folks. Damn it! I really Sorry. thought I had that one. That was great. I really enjoyed that one. That was fun. Lots of lots of interesting storytelling. A lot of colorful characters. Um, yeah, man. Also, some territory that we haven't really gone into a lot. Giants. Yeah. Very exciting. A, a sad lack of giants. Um, I think there's a lot more ground to cover there. You know, sure, we've done uh, the Iraq war and the giants there. And of course, done, a double yes. We've done a, a one mountain in Scotland. But what about all the other giants? Yeah, it's very interesting. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that investigation into the gray man of Ben McDewey. Uh, thank you so much to Mark Elliott for sending that one in to us. Very illuminating, very shocking case. Thank you, Mark. Send in all your own thoughts, suggestions for episodes into thisparanormallifepodcast at gmail.com. Please keep them coming because that is right now where we're getting all of our episode suggestions from uh, We Couldn't Do It Without You Guys, giving us your hot, hot tips. Us trying to find something to research for the podcast is like being up a mountain, stuck in the mist, drinking our own urine till we go blind. And we need that helping hand now and again, which just comes in, in the form of an email. And sometimes that helping hand that walks out of the mist, we will shoot because we think it's a threat. <laughs> which is us sending you a reply in uh, email form with a deadly virus that basically yeah. destroys your laptop. Yeah, that's right. But now and again... We don't shoot and we don't send the virus. So it's definitely worth emailing in. Guys, if you enjoyed this week's episode, but you just thought, 
I love this show and I, and I and I love it and I laugh at it, but I really think that I'm missing another one of my senses needs stimulated. Yeah. Which is one more. Um you know, you can't you can't come touch us because because of, <laughs> of the way the world is right now and i'm interested to see where you're going you can't with this. smell us but what if i told you you can see us oh that's pretty if you that's head good. on over to youtube.com that's right great segue forward slash this paranormal life uh we have a youtube channel now you might have heard us talk about it but if you head on over there um we post the highlights of new episodes of This Paranormal Life in video format. It's us in the studio right now looking at the cameras. I mean, does it not drive you guys crazy listening to this? Not knowing, like, do they have beards? Are they big? Are they small? Are they 30-foot giants? It must be... You don't even know what we look like. What are you doing? I mean, spoiler alert, you're you're looking at... You're listening to two goddamn tens... Uh, talk. Grant is a little hot in here. Sure, we're a little sweaty. Yeah, yeah we're not. We're not looking like tens right now. Yeah, we can't get our, make ourselves look great the whole time. Yeah, I'm wearing like yeah, like models have their day clothes. off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Victoria's they also Secret have a models. team. Models have a team. All right, that's why they look so good. They're setting unrealistic beauty standards. So we're not tens then. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're mad about the beauty standards, you're not a 10. I'm a 400-pound <laughs> man who hasn't bathed in five weeks. They're setting unrealistic standards for men who... I'm drinking a glass of piss <laughs> as I talk. Uh, check, check out the, the YouTube. If everyone came down to my level, I would be a 10, my friends. But if that isn't enough for you, um, the place that you can get more of this paranormal life, in fact, the only place is patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life, where from around five bucks a month, you can get access to a catalog of bonus episodes covering, I mean, do we really need to advertise it any more than the giants in the Iraq war? I mean, that's what more do you want? Honestly, we've had some crazy ones in there. Um, granted right now, they all fail to come to mind. <laughs> uh, wait, hold on, hold on. Because oh, each one is more mind-blowing than the last. That's right. So I can't even remember them because they shattered my mind like throwing a jigsaw against a wall. Uh, I can barely even pick up the pieces. Ooh, so for example, the last episode that we did was investigating Humanzies, the government's secret plan to create, uh, human-monkey super-soldier hybrids. Uh, I mean, listen to that sentence alone makes me want to go onto the Patreon and download the episodes. It's really the one thing people keep asking us is we need more monkey content. We need more stuff about monkeys. Yeah. And uh, we deliver that over in Patreon. We do. It's also a great way to support the show. Right. Yeah. If you're ambivalent about the monkey content, sure. <laughs> you don't actually care that much about monkeys yeah. and monkey content. There's like 30 episodes on there. 28 of them are very heavily focused <laughs> on monkeys, apes, orangutans, bonobos. <laughs> um, so you get like a couple episodes that are kind of just like the giant in Afghanistan, some cool stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and also you support the show. Um, but it is a lot of monkey chat. But I mean... Monkey Chat is actually the name of the bonus show. <laughs> supporting the podcast, though, is in a way a way of supporting two close relatives of the Great Ape family. <laughs> That's very true. Kid and Rory. And I love bananas. I'll be frank with you. <laughs> They're delicious. And on the 20 banana tier, <laughs> you can get a This Paranormal Life cult uniform delivered to your door. They are soft. They are comfortable. You will go ape shit when it <laughs> arrives. 
As always, the links to everything we've described, YouTube, Patreon, you can find those in the description of this podcast. Just check out, just check out the description in your podcast player of choice. And, you know, if you don't feel like um, subscribing to Patreon this month, maybe just throw us a little iTunes review. It all helps spread the show and make it bigger and better. Yeah, a very free and easy way to um, show your support, which we massively appreciate. And at the end of every episode, we like to take the time to shout out those who've supported us on Patreon. The Monkey Crew. Let's go. Thank you too, Jesse Samaniego. Jesse, I need so many egg yolks. <laughs> because, because I'm running low, brother, and it's almost time for my 12.45 daily omelet. Uh, 14 it's... eggs, all yolk in the bowl. So please deliver. Thank you to Curtis Hewson. Curtis Hewson, master of deducing. He's the resident detective in the This Paranormal Life commune. Um, I mean, granted, there's no crime. It's a perfect utopia where we live. But uh, when things go wrong, we put Curtis on the case. Which is, you know, he works late nights these <laughs> these days. It's a 24-hour job. That's yeah. right. Thank you to Robert Fitzharris. Robert Fitzharris robs the rich in Paris. It's a pretty good place to rob people, I guess. Yeah, he's after the biggest prize of all, my friend. The Eiffel Money? Tower. Oh, Jesus! He really thinks he can pull it off. Sell it to the highest bidder without anyone being the wiser. He really thinks the French won't notice if it goes missing for a week or so. Hey, as someone who's been trying to get rid of a mummy skull for four months now good luck selling the eiffel tower on the black market thank you to shimanoko shimanoko inventor of shimana cola the official soda of the paranormal commune Ooh. the only drink that actually makes you thirstier the more you consume it, uh, it it baffles scientists all over the world i mean looking at the ingredients here it seems to be a lot of sand going into it sand and salt 50 percent sand 40% salt. I don't think you can legally call us soda. <laughs> Thank you to Max Sickman. Max Sickman does sound like a BMX rider, but it is short for Maximilian the Sickman. He's so, a very old sick man. Oh, right, because Maximilian Sickman could still be cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying it's not sick in a gnarly way. It's He's dying. He's old. He is. I mean, he was a BMX rider, the greatest oh. of his generation. Oh, so he's sick and ill at the same time. But he is also 99 years old. And yeah. All right. He's, he's on his way out. Thank you to Carl. Carl flew to the States to rob everyone in New York of their highest prize. Go on. The Eiffel Tower. <gasps> he doesn't know a lot about uh, the world or geography. Oh. So he actually went to the wrong country. Uh, he actually wanted to go to France as well to, to get the Eiffel Tower. It's actually in pretty high demand, but Carl just showed up at uh, the New York City airport. Didn't even make it past security because he had a lot of weapons on him uh, to, to try and take the thing. It's kind of hard to sneak a, a sack with a dollar sign the size of the Eiffel Tower through security. Yeah, that's in the oversized luggage. Thank you to Mark Lawson. Mark Lawson lays down the laws, son. Nice. Um, not because of any kind of uh, profession or qualification. He just stole a gavel, so it's f***ed up. This kid's 13. He just says whatever comes to his mind, hits the gavel, and uh-oh, it's law. Court adjourned. You didn't even know you were in a court. <laughs> 
Thank you to Dave Robinson. Dave Robinson is all about Grave Robin, son. <laughs> Jesus. You don't even have to be dead yet. He'll just find you in an alley and hit you over the head with a shovel and start <laughs> digging around in your pockets. <laughs> That's so dark. Why doesn't he just mug people rather than killing them and then <laughs> grave robbing them? Yeah, he shouldn't call himself a grave robber. No. He, 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 he's just a robber. <laughs> he's somehow worse than both of those things. Thank you to Brad. Brad never gets mad. He gets furious. <gasps> That's right. He's angry 24-7. Every day is a bad day already as soon as it begins. It's a tough life. Um, many people have tried to help him. Many people have gotten punched in the neck. Brad does t he takes no prisoners. Wow. And he has, uh, by all accounts, a pretty luxurious life. I mean, he's just eating porridge in the middle of a beautiful forest clearing first thing in the morning furious for yeah, no reason really angry for some reason it's super weird thank you to olaf olaf's life motto is no laugh <laughs> because he's furious <gasps> just like brad himself there are a couple of angry angry boys um again living pretty much the dream i think uh, olaf has a penthouse suite uh, looking over the New York City skyline. Wow. His own personal assistant and um, a valet for the building. Truly the boy who has everything. Yeah. And that makes him angry. It's too much to think about. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anyone with a penthouse suite in Manhattan called Olaf. <laughs> Who's this angry, at least. <laughs> what, like, high-powered Wall Street trader is like, Hello, my name is Olaf. Nice <laughs> to meet you. I was an early investor in Uber, <laughs> in Uber and Twitter and Facebook. Thank you to Chris Endicott. Chris Endicott is who you send when you need to end a bot. Oh, if like you, a Blade Runner. If you've got a Roomba that knows too much, okay, you send Chris. <laughs> Not quite as intense as assassinating uh, artificial intelligence. Well, the robots aren't there yet. I mean, once they are, he'll be the guy. They'll need to be taken down. He will need to upskill, though, because Roombas don't fight back very much. Do Roombas count as artificial intelligence? I mean, they can vacuum. That's something that's pretty intelligent. If you sell a tape an iPhone to one, I think it does. <laughs> that's all I do anyway, is clean and text. <laughs> Please don't assassinate me. Thank you to Lawrence Sainsbury. Lawrence lives in Florence. One of the most beautiful cities on planet Earth, yet is furious about it. Why is it. everyone so Lawrence, angry? Lawrence would rather live in a dump, would rather live amongst trash like a rat. But uh, Why? unfortunately for them, lives in just a stunning Renaissance-era type it's, city. It's not unfortunate. That's beautiful. It's Lawrence, you need to just take a, take a chill pill. Thank you to Nate Wood. You'd think that Nate Wood had some innate good inside of him, but he is borderline furious, <gasps> non-stop, throwing punches at whoever tries to help him. Dude. As soon as he was delivered, popped out of his mama, he decked a doctor between the eyes. He was like, I don't need a handout. <laughs> Which was borderline paranormal that he could talk already. <laughs> What's he talking about? And <laughs> Get your silver spoon out of my ass, and then he, <laughs> and then he, <laughs> so, so we didn't really understand English clearly, and then he 
bit bit apart his own umbilical cord. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it was crazy. And he used, <laughs> used it to climb out the window. As angry as it gets, <laughs> I think. Thank you to Bailey Baumberger. Bailey makes some bomb-ass burgers. We're talking the freshest cheese. Yo. The most prime beef. That's what I'm saying. A little slice of dynamite. Hold hold up. You lost me there. 200 cc's of C4. CC's? Yeah. Isn't that an engine size? No, it's a... Or like a medical thing? Yeah, it's a medical term. Because this burger's about to send you to the hospital. I'm not going to eat here, Bailey. That's fair enough. Burgers shouldn't tick. (laughs) Thank you to Peter Edmondson. Peter Edmondson plays badminton. Nice. Yeah. Not to be confused with badminton. Oh. Badminton. Wait, what is it actually called? (laughs) Badminton? Badminton. Badminton. What a stupid thing for a sport. He plays badminton. Uh, where you hide a mitten inside of a duvet. All right, I don't like one, where this is going. Last one to find it gets punched in the neck. Okay, is he furious? He's pretty angry about it, yeah, because he never finds the thing. He's yeah, got like 20 mittens in there. Try badminton, Pete. Thank you to Summer Weishaupt. Summer, how does it feel to have your father, Adam Weishaupt, founder of the Illuminati, on the $1 bill? That's right, you and I both know the wow. truth that your dad... Is the real George Washington. Whenever Summer gets ID'd at a bar, she just holds up a $1 bill. Which is weird because that's not, it's not her. her no. You can't do that. You can't show someone your dad's But ID. if he's that old, I must be pretty old too. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, if that's your dad, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And then they like show their... They flash uh, the ring. The ring, yeah, with the insignia on it. And they just let you in. Bottle service all night. Wow. Pretty cool, Summer. Thank you to Jose Perez. Jose grabbed the biggest sack he could find and flew to Paris <laughs> to gank one thing. There's the no ancient way. pyramids no of Egypt. Again, terrible at uh, geography. Right. Wrong country. Wrong continent. Yeah, actually. really off that time. Plus, the pyramids probably would have poked a hole in the giant sack, so you might want to rethink that one, brother. Thank you to Chloe Keedy. Chloe's speedy Keedy, she got caught in a 30 zone doing 200. Right after the police handed her a ticket, they also handed her a medal for breaking the land speed record, which was kind of impressive. So, um, you know, just keep an eye on it in future, Chloe. You don't want to get taken off the roads. Thank you, lastly but not leastly, to Charlie M. Charlie M, inventor of the M. Not to be confused with M&M's, the delicious treat. This was a savory hard nut. He just, he just called the M. No one, two of them. It wasn't M and M. He didn't sell a goddamn M from one <laughs> one end of his life to the other, but he did sell the rights to a little candy company. That's right. You might have heard of. Yeah. That's right. Called Snickers Corporation. You know those little crunchy bastards in a Snickers? It's not a peanut. It's an M. It's a single M. <laughs> Thank you to everyone we've shouted out right now and everyone we are yet to shout out in the coming weeks. Uh, We are really getting there, slowly but surely. So thank you for being patient with us. As you might have gathered, there has been a delay uh, on getting some shout outs out. But if you really think you've been missed, if it was, if your shout out should have been like last year or something nuts, please do let us know. Uh, We sometimes do slip up, Um, but we're getting there. 
Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. We will be back next week on Tuesday, as always, for a brand new paranormal tale. Bye-bye.